And oh, <laughs> that can be the hardest thing of all. Shame and guilt and pride run deep. And all three of them, along with many other things, can get in the way of self-forgiveness. Welcome to the podcast that's all about deepening our self-awareness with profound self-compassion. I'm Henny. I write, coach and speak about how exploring our inner world can transform how we experience our outer world, all founded on a bedrock of self-love. Settle in and listen and see where the episode takes you. Forgiveness is something I'm surprised we haven't covered so explicitly on the podcast before, though really, if I think about it, we cover it all the time. And I debated about whether to call this episode the art of forgiveness or the art of self-forgiveness. And the second one won out for reasons I'll share as we explore this topic. We're often told as children that we have to forgive another child for hitting us, hurting us, taking the toy that we really wanted. We're taught we need to be the bigger, better person and rise above the lowly behaviour shown by the other child. And this teaching is curious in many ways because embedded within that are so many messages And not all of them are actually that helpful. Not least that we're actually learning to subsume our own wants and needs or to subsume our own pain at what has happened. And it was interesting. I discussed this with a a teacher friend of mine who talked about the fact that she actually teaches the children in her class, they're kind of year six Um, so age around sort of 10, 11, Um, she actually teaches them that what you do is you accept someone's apology. You don't have to forgive them. But what you do have to do is accept that they have apologized. Mm, Have to? Maybe. I'll, I'll check with her whether she actually teaches that. But I think the essence is that she recognises that when we do teach children that they have to forgive another child for hurting them, that is a lifelong lesson that they're taking on into adulthood. And I'll talk a bit more about why that can be not so useful at times. Because in relation specifically to forgiving others, A teacher of mine told me a few years ago that forgiving someone was actually part of creating and maintaining an invisible hierarchy. And it means that when we adopt a stance of forgiving someone else, we're saying, I am in some way better than you. I am being so magnanimous, expressing such largesse, that I can be the bigger person and say, you, you are forgiven by me. Lucky you that I am so forgiving. 
Which takes us straight back to that moment in the playground when we get praise from the teacher for being good and forgiving, looking down from our lofty height on the child that did wrong. And that establishes a hierarchy. When we all know that the stuff that contributes to our actions is actually very far from a clean line between right and wrong, things are rarely that binary. And and I'm reminded of the quote in the Bible, you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So the challenge as adults with this stance is that when we're the one in the wrong, particularly when we feel guilt or shame for what we've done, what we're really looking for isn't forgiveness, but acceptance We might say that we want forgiveness, of course. It might even be the thing that we ask for. But my sense is that we really need to forgive ourselves first. And I'll come on to that in a moment. But when we are accepted by someone else with all our flaws, it means that despite having done or said something that was in some way outside of what we and they wish had happened, that we are still valid, that we are still accepted as the flawed human we all are, that we haven't been rejected, thrown out of the tribe, abandoned. Acceptance is what it means to express unconditional, positive regard to everyone, regardless of who they are and what they've done. And oh my word, that can be so hard. And it's the stance of the therapist, the coach, the counsellor to accept the person they're working with fully. So my teacher would say it is not our job to forgive someone else. It is our job to accept them as they are. And for me, it's really important to say this doesn't mean condoning their actions if they've hurt us or others or themselves or behaved in ways that we know are beyond what is truly beneficial or that aren't aligned with the highest good. It means the simplicity of seeing, acknowledging and still accepting them as human. And with that, Clarity comes choice. For example, we don't need to keep forgiving someone whose behavior never changes and who keeps hurting us or others. We can choose to accept someone and choose not to give them more of our time, energy, power, attention than is absolutely necessary. Recognizing that this place of choice can often be complex and non binary too, and nothing is ever really straightforward. But the important thing is to open ourselves up to seeing that there might be another way of addressing this whole idea of forgiveness. And you know, I find this interesting to explore. And and also what I find interesting here is that we can use this stance of acceptance as another means of creating healthy boundaries without getting lost in the story of what was done by whom. 
And we can leave that person to do the work of learning how to forgive themselves and from there make any amends or changes they may choose to make. Because of course we often say, I forgive you, when really we still resent that person and whatever they did. And once again, this isn't about calling out or naming what the person has done. It's not about, you know, this, um, uh, the phrase kind of letting someone off the hook, you know, it's not about that. But it's about acknowledging them for the adult human, if they are an adult, the adult human that they are, and that we are. So whether this idea of it's not our job to forgive others resonates with you or not, or resonates yet (laughs) with you or not, perhaps there's something in the idea that without that deep acceptance, forgiveness can be meaningless. So my second reflection today which was also inspired by that same teacher, though I don't recall him saying it explicitly, is that the only place forgiveness is truly valuable is in forgiving ourselves. And, oh, (laughs) that can be the hardest thing of all. Shame and guilt and pride run deep. And all three of them, along with many other things, can get in the way of self-forgiveness. Low self-esteem, being naturally self-critical, and growing up in an environment of criticism or abuse, for example, are things that can contribute to real difficulty in forgiving past mistakes. And some of our life conditions can make us more likely to experience guilt and have a hard time forgiving ourselves. So recognising that is really important too. But if we accept the stance that to be fully present and loving in the world, we need to begin with ourselves, then it's important to remember that love is forgiving as well as love is for giving. (laughs) I love that little play on words. And when we shine this light of love on ourselves, we can find self-forgiveness also becomes more possible. So how? How do we do that? Well, as part of preparing for today, I googled that question. (laughs) And there are so many sites offering up the four, seven, twelve steps, plus the five A's, the four R's and the golden rule, all reflecting on different aspects of self-forgiveness. To be really honest, I actually became a little confused myself. And ultimately, I think, this is, you know, a poll of one, that learning self-forgiveness and learning how to release feelings of guilt is something that takes time and accepting that is part of the process. Often, when we're stuck in the place of shame and remorse, we can find it hard to accept 
what we have done or said, etc. And we can become rigid, perhaps turning the tables so we find ways to blame the other person or blame something outside of ourselves instead of accepting our own accountability. And I'm I'm going to do another episode on this actually because I think this is really interesting how we divert attention away from ourselves in order to shift accountability for our own actions. And I know I've done this. I do this. I'm human and um, we all can do it at times. Uh, For me, it's particularly when my inner child or inner adolescent is in charge. You know, the embarrassment of having got something really wrong makes me want to blame someone else for me feeling so bad or I resort to being cross with myself for not managing my internal dialogue better and so the cycle becomes vicious rather than virtuous and you know all the parts um, start getting agitated. (laughs) Lord love them. Um, So recognizing what we're feeling is vital. Really really recognizing it, seeing the layers of emotion, the resistance, the pain, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, the remorse, the pride, the unwillingness to admit mistakes, the unwillingness to admit weakness, the unwillingness to be vulnerable, the desire to cover it all up and just pretend everything's okay, the desire to fall on our sword and wail that everything is our fault. Maybe some of that you recognize, maybe all of that. And, you know, it's the joy of the human paradox that it can all be present simultaneously. And then once we've been through this phase of recognition, then we need to enter that stage of allowing ourselves to feel the bad feelings. I've put the word bad in enormous air quotes because there really isn't anything bad about what we're feeling. It's simply information that we can choose to use in a number of ways. So we could sink down, hide out, retreat. We could attack, blame, resist, or we could acknowledge, accept, and allow. And then it's about investigating what might be running alongside or beneath these feelings. Has some wounded part been triggered that's contributing to how you're feeling, maybe amplifying what's going on beyond what it might ordinarily spark within you, making it harder for whatever reason to forgive yourself. Maybe seeing, you know, is there a pattern here? Something that you notice keeps showing up, maybe in the way you're responding to something outside of you or to the environment that you're in. Perhaps meaning you're behaving in ways you don't really like or that you don't feel like when you're truly in your adult self. I mean, my goodness, I recognize that in me. There are some environments where for whatever reason, I still need to develop and deepen my understanding of what activates parts of me when I'm in certain group dynamics or certain 
geographical places or spaces. Um, and the other thing here is about investigating are there patterns in how you're feeling about yourself? So really bringing that healthy, kind, compassionate curiosity to what we're investigating and not slipping into judgment about it. And this is where nourishment comes in, to care for ourselves, to hold ourselves with deep self-compassion, not berating or attacking ourselves for getting something wrong or for keeping on getting something wrong. This is where, too, the opportunity comes for seeing if there's something we can do to resolve what happened, making amends, apologizing if needed, rather than ruminating and, you know, wallowing about in that sticky sea of shame that can start to well up around us. And um, I say that as someone who, given half a chance, would love to have a good wallow. (laughs) You know, and when we simply ruminate rather than proactively reflect, we can get stuck in these negative thought loops. But when we proactively reflect and embrace the idea of practical compassion, which I think this is all part of, then we can focus on what we've learned and plan how to move forward. Now, you might have noticed that this process I've just talked us through is made up of four stages that spell the mnemonic RAIN. And for lovers of Tara Brack, this will be very familiar to you. Recognize, allow, investigate, nourish. And it's a tool that we can apply to so many things and that feels very, very powerful in practicing the art of self-forgiveness, which, as I've said, can be extremely hard to learn because there's stuff that we have to unlearn first. So my invitation here is to look inside now. And, and actually, there's a lovely journaling prompt here, if you're a journaler, is to begin with the question... What is asking for my forgiveness? And God, even as I say that, I mean, that is a weighty topic to explore and, you know, incredibly valuable. So it might be something from the past. It might be something from yesterday or five minutes ago. So how would it be to take yourself through this process? And again, you could do this in your journal or you could just do it on a walk, you know, whatever feels good for you. So recognize what is it and what are the emotions that come with it? Allow, sit with whatever is coming up without trying to shut it down or suppress it. Investigate. What do you see when you observe with compassion? Nourish. How can you nourish yourself to support yourself as you move through any learnings from this experience? What can you choose to change with love? And this idea of forgiveness came up in my own journal quite spontaneously this morning too. I had no idea it was where it was going to go. 
And I love how our subconscious offers things up to us uh, just when they're needed. So I'm going to say goodbye now, but I'm going to then read this extract from my journal in case um, you find it useful too. And as you might know, often when I journal, it's like there's another voice that's writing to me and it's the same part that writes the poetry and the love letters in My Darling Girl. And for me, I find it comforting to know that voice is there guiding me. So I'm going to send you a hug and a wave and I'll share with you this extract from my journal written this very day. It begins. Place it all behind you. There is no need to keep repeating regretted words of the past. Understand that that was then and this is now and there is no need to create a seamless join that extends one into the other and on into future nows. You were there. That happened. That was said. They were there. That happened. That was done. It is finished now. See it only for the gold that lives within. Take the learnings. Love it for what you have learnt. Listen in for the parts that needed to be heard, that needed to be seen, and see it for what it was. A mirror to look into. There was no other way it could have been. Ah, yes. I see you see that now. Shall I say it again? There was no other way it could have been. And when you understand that this moment too can only be what it is, and this, and this, then you know what it is to surrender. There can be no regrets, my love, for that implies you could have changed it. But if you had known there was choice at the time, choice you were truly able to bring about, then you would have made those choices. As it was, see the choices you did make, the ones that served you and the highest good in the moment, and the ones that serve you and the highest good in this moment, and this one, and this one. I see you smiling now. Now you see, there is only one way things can be, and it is how they are just as you can only ever be your own magnificent you.